Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Shy Slamma Jamma Bulls podcast. I am your host, Jacob Stutz, alongside my good friend, Jacob Dylan, and today we are with a special guest, a very good friend of ours, out of Chapman University, Seth Carroll. I, I didn't know what you wanted for your number, so um, it's great to have you on today, Seth. Um, I know you've been watching a little bit of Bulls basketball, but like us, um, you're a huge Bulls fan, Seth has grown up with Jacob and I through middle school and elementary school, as well as high school. And now he's going to the University of Chapman as a film major, but he's here in Chicago for the winter break, and he would love to join us on the podcast, and that's what he's doing. So we are all heading to the Nets game tonight, and we figured it'd be nice to do a little pregame um, Nets podcast. So welcome in, Seth. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, guys. Um, like... Jacob was saying, I have known them since we were wee little children. Um, they're some of my best friends, uh, and I'm just really happy to be here and ready to talk bulls and talk basketball. Yeah, it, man, it's been a fun bull season so far. And of course, Jacob, I know I skipped over you. Usually, you do you first, but uh, how are you doing today, Jacob? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Uh, it's been a tough couple of days, as you guys know. Uh, I had to put my dog down. That was rough. But um, and hanging in there. Um, excited to watch some Bulls basketball tonight. Get some nice dinner beforehand. Uh, and this should be fun. It should be a fun time. Um, I'm I'm excited for this big matchup against the Nets. I wanted it to be going into a 11 game winning streak, but you know what? It is what it is. Uh, either way. You can't, I mean, when we're complaining about a nine-game win streak ending, that's when you know Bulls basketball is back. You know Bulls basketball is back when we're complaining about a nine-game winning streak coming to an end. So, excited about that. Um, so, first things first, I want to talk about that win streak coming to an end, uh, specifically that Dallas Mavericks game. Not sure if you watched it, Seth. Jacob, I know you did. Um, that was a tough one. It, it was tough. The defense wasn't too great. Um and they turned it around against Detroit last night. But um, is there anything to be worried about there when it comes to the defense? Is this a worry, especially the pick-and-roll defense for the Bulls? Um, I'll start with you, Jacob. Uh, to me, it was. It definitely was. Um, like I told you yesterday, I think I'm actually happier that we lost that game because you need to, it needs to come to an attention. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a point of emphasis for sure by Billy. It had to be uh, through practices and through halftime meetings and everything because – Honestly, throughout the win streak, we had just been shooting and our shot making was great. Uh, the defense was not like excellent the way we would have wanted it to be. But uh, losing to losing to the Mavericks as bad as we did, because the score doesn't say it all, in my opinion. The it it looked worse than the score the score uh, told us. But the way we bounced back last night, I think that was better for the team going forward. So hopefully, going forward, it's not as much of a concern as it as it was during the win streak. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I agree with that. Um, I think behind rebounding, our pick-and-roll defense is probably the thing we need to work on the most defensively. Um, when it comes to guarding the high pick-and-roll with capable ball handlers like Trey Young, uh, Luka Doncic, who exploited that, even uh, Karis LeVert in the Pacers game uh, before DeRozan hit his game winner, uh, the, the main source of points there were off the pick-and-roll and it comes down to, one, not having Alex Caruso on the court, because when he is, he's arguably the best guard defender in the league. 
Um, and it also comes down to Vucevic not stepping up enough. Um, you know, he tends to kind of stay back and not guard the ball handler and give them enough space to either pull up for the shot or uh, gain, uh, gain speed going downhill. Um, he needs to step up during that pick and roll and really close out any options that they have. I've noticed a lot of the times when we do double team the ball handler after the pick and roll, we cause turnovers. And I don't see why we don't do that more often. Well, I think part of it is the Bulls have are specifically run drop run drop coverage. Uh, it's not. I don't like it either. I think we should, you know, be more aggressive with the ball handler uh, and rely more on rotations because our rotation has been. Uh, I wouldn't say the best in the league, but it's some probably top top five in the league with the rotations. Uh, so I think we should rely more on that versus running drop coverage where Vooch off of a screen always drops farther back to stop the lob because not every team has a lob threat and not every team is looking for that first play. But every team does have a ball handler that comes off the screen ready to shoot. So I agree with you. We should probably double team the ball more or at least hedge it. You know, Vooch should at least go out, show, wait till the guy gets back and then run back. But the drop coverage, like straight up, uh, it's it's not not as successful as you know you'd think it would be with how good the Bulls defense has been this year. Yeah, um, I think a big part of it is not having Caruso. Also, during that stretch, we for a stretch for a while we did not have Lonzo Ball. Um, but I also think that I think Billy Donovan has been on top of it. Billy's been harping, hey, defense, defense, defense. We saw it the other day with uh, against um, the Mavericks. They, they struggled, and I think they came out against Detroit, especially in that third quarter where Vucevic literally outscored the Pistons. Um, you can see when team defense is on, when everybody's contributing, especially on offense, especially with Vucevic. We've seen this multiple times this year. When he's going on offense, he's much more attentive, and he's much more energized on defense. We've seen it. Um, I think you saw that ten- last night against Detroit. So I think it's – I'm a little worried about our pick-and-roll defense a little bit. But I think I trust Billy Donovan to get this turned around. And like you said, Seth, um, it's all about, you know, with the draft coverages and the double teaming. And I think they'll figure it out. Those lobs are really killing them. Um, there was a few. There was one lob where I think they defended it well. Um, uh, but also, I think there was a few. I mean, the one lob they defended it well, Lonzo stopped Jackson Hay. I, I forget who it was. But he stopped him from getting the ball. And, uh, sorry, I'm blanking here. He stopped him from getting the ball, and the refs called a foul on him when I thought it was all ball. I think that was one of the more well-defended lob passes because, I mean, Luca. I I saw it in the post-game show with Kendall Gill. Luca was getting to any spot he really wanted. I mean, it was like he was just carving up the defense in the second half. I think in the first half, they did really well on him. Oh, yeah, for sure, Um, Io especially. Io DeSumo was amazing on Luca, and he was, like, all in his grill. He was... He was frustrating Luca, but I think in the second half, I think Luca was just getting to whatever spot he wanted. We saw a couple times, even though Kobe's defense has been a lot better so far this season, we saw a couple times where he was switched onto Luca, and that just does not bode well. Yeah. <laughs> Kobe White on Luca just does not bode well. He, he just babied Kobe. But I I did like what I saw yesterday against Detroit. Um, I know it is Detroit. But you saw them in the passing lanes. You saw them being attentive. You saw them switching, uh, getting to the three-point shooters for the most part, um, which I think has been a struggle this year at times, leaving shooters open. Especially Kleba hit seven, what, it was six or seven threes against the Bulls on Sunday night. Yeah. Um, It was just ridiculous. I mean, come on now. But uh, 
I'm interested to see how it's... We don't know yet about what's happening with Harden or Kyrie. Both of them are questionable for tonight against Brooklyn. But I think it's going to be very really interesting to see how the Bulls combat both of them if they do play. I hope they do play because I want the Bulls to be tested with all three of those top-notch, high-level scorers. Yes. Um, so overall, I think the defense... I mean, it's it's shaded off a little bit, but the offense is really getting going, and I think the defense will come around and get back to high level, especially when Caruso comes back. He's not going to be back for Brooklyn against Brooklyn tonight, but um, I guess the hope is maybe that he'll be back Friday against Golden State, and that's you can only hope. You can only hope. So we'll see what happens. Um, we they definitely need Caruso back because not only is he like. I want to say not only is he just a good defender and not only is he huge um, for team defense, but kind of like Draymond Green for the Warriors, um, how they miss him on the defensive end of the ball. The Bulls miss Caruso just like the Warriors miss Draymond Green, whereas Caruso is kind of a coach on the floor. He's calling out assignments. He's calling out where guys to go. He's telling guys to go here, go there. He's calling out screens. He's doing everything on the defensive end. He's calling. He's like a coach. He's like an extra coach on the floor. Um... And I think that really, really helps the Bulls defensively. So I think having him back, who's kind of like our defensive captain other than Lonzo, I think will be huge to help the defense. And I think they're definitely going to need it against Golden State. And even against the Celtics, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can get hot. So you're going to need them, especially Jalen Brown. He's been having a few quite good games lately. So, But speaking of like the bench, speaking of the non-defensive side of the ball, Kobe White has been killing it. Um, and... Basically, as the Bulls' sixth man, I'm loving the dynamic between him and Io DeSunmu. Um, overall, man, Kobe White, I know he started the season late, but do we consider him a sixth man of the year at some point? Um, I'll start with you, Seth. What are you thinking here about Kobe White? And I know originally you said you wanted to trade him or would be willing to trade him, but I don't know if that's really a, a good idea now for this a championship-level almost team as in the Bulls. Um... Yeah, I think that his trade value is getting to a point where it would be hard to get anything uh, in return that's worth it. Uh, is he a six-man-of-the-year candidate? I don't think so right now. I think he's definitely in the top ten, um, maybe in the top five. Uh, but I don't think he's had enough consistent production this year uh, to put him up there. Obviously, you have Tyler Hero. Uh, Jordan Clarkson's always going to be up there. Kelly Oubre, uh, for example. Uh, even Buddy Heald has been really good. Um, I don't, I think if we keep seeing this out of Kobe White, then for sure, he's definitely in the top five by the end of the year. Um, but I don't, I mean, it's only been what the past couple weeks where he's been putting up really great stats. Um, and looks like a solid six man contributor off the bench. Um, I'm rooting for him. I hope that his defense is able to catch up to where his offensive capabilities have gone. Uh, but I wouldn't put him there yet. Yeah, um, I will point out that, um, well, he was out with COVID protocols for a while. Um, he was out with COVID protocols. And he was also, um, you know, he was out so long, he didn't get a training camp. Um, he, So he, he's missed a lot of games. Um, and that can hurt when it comes to the end-of-the-year awards. But I, I I don't know. If he keeps playing like this, I think he has a decent shot. Um, and when it comes to trading him, I don't know if you can trade him away. Um, I don't know about you, Jacob, but I think Kobe White's going to be a huge, valuable piece for this team. And I don't see how you kind of get back something that's really, really worth it for a guy who could be not only good this year, but he's only 21. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm uh, I'm on the train where we shouldn't be trading Kobe, Patrick. I, I mean, those Kobe, Patrick, and Iowa are three young guys. None of them are, tw- I think, 
Io might be 21 or 22, and he's the oldest one. There's no way we trade either one of those three. And as far as Kobe being in six-man contention, like Seth said, he's probably top five right now. Uh, if he does what he's doing right now, these last like 11 to 12 games, if he can keep that up for 30 more games, I can see him finishing about top three. Uh, but Tyler Hero averaging 20 off the bench will be hard to take that away. Yeah, unless but, Tyler Hero falls off a cliff. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't even win. I'm not as concerned about him winning it as it is because if he's threatening to win the Six Man of the Year award with the amount of games he's missed, that speaks to how good he's playing. And he's when he's engaged offensively, he gets more engaged defensively. When he's out there with Io, him and Io's defensive energy has slowly started to rub off on Kobe. Uh, I mean, I'm, I know it's part of the, the whole team and the culture that we're building in Billy, but him being out there with Io a lot, I think is really, or, and even maybe losing some minutes to Io here and there has kind of, you know, has kind of shown him that defense is where it's at. And uh, Caruso coming back is only going to help that. And I think, I think Kobe's just really important to the team. So hopefully he continues to get on the floor and can, continues to be that microwave off the bench that we need yeah um it'll be interesting to see what happens when caruso comes back because it's worth noting like whose minutes is he gonna he's gonna take somebody's minutes he's gonna lessen the minutes of a lot of guys on the team um but this bench mob even without caruso they're killing it for the bulls right now um i don't know where they lie in bench scoring in the nba but lately it's been ridiculous i think i forget what game it was we had 50 something points off the bench you guys remember what game that was i can't put my um my brain on it at the moment uh it was the game where it was a game where demar and zach struggled kobe had a great game and the bulls had like an insane amount of bench points and that carried them to the win we talked about it in the last podcast so it was a little bit a while ago but either way io's been killing it io has this dynamic with his teammates that i love um, you saw DeMar with him at the retirement for his jersey number over at U of I. Um, that was really cool to see. Um, I was like a veteran rookie out there with how he just like stops his teammates from getting technicals. I love it. And then the rest of the bench mob, like, I mean, Derek Joe Jr. has been starting, but when he comes off the bench, he's amazing. It's, it has been stellar. I mean, Tony Bradley's been putting in better, decent minutes, better, decent minutes, um, Bro, even Matt Thomas at the bright end of the bench last night came in and started pouring in threes. Um, it's it's really, really fun to see this bench. Um, and it starts, I love lately, like, usually about like eight, nine minutes in the game, Kobe and Iowa have been coming in at the same time. Billy's been bringing both of them in at the same time. I think he loves their dynamic together. I think he loves their presence there together. And they've kind of allowed the Bulls to play small because of how fast and quick they are. They, they move it on the break. They play tough defense, especially Io. He's kind of like the team leader on, on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to the bench. And I really love it. I love how – I think Billy, obviously he's a coach of the year candidate so far. Um, but I'm loving the way right now he's finally getting a feel for his rotations. I feel like the rotations he's running have been very, very effective. Um, I think he's finally starting to figure it out. And I'm interested to see how he's going to figure it out when Caruso comes back. Because, I mean, this Bulls team has a lot of depth. Um, I don't know if Troy Brown Jr. is going to be traded at some point. He's been playing a lot better. He's gotten six steals yesterday. He tweeted out that he took a page out of uh, – he was watching Caruso film. Um, he was, he's was he been stellar. It's been really fun to watch this bench. Um, he, as fun as the starters have been, this bench is killing it. Like, 
it, it really brings you back to the days of like these good those good bull team bulls teams where the bench would like just come in and like take advantage of the other teams that aren't as heavy depth wise. So I'm excited to see what happens when Caruso comes back, and that's a good problem for the Bulls. You're, it's like it's not a bad problem. Like oh, Caruso's coming back, and now we don't know. Like this is a good problem to have is when you have too many guys to give minutes to. Um, and I think it's been amazing. What do you guys have on the bench mob? Uh, whoever wants to start first, go ahead. I can uh, I can speak. I found some interesting stats. Um, and just looking at the stats, you might be very confused by the Bulls bench. Um, because all season long, uh, we have third to last in points per game uh, with only 28 per game. Uh, we're third to last in rebounds per game with only 13 uh, we're fourth to last in assists per game with only five and a half. Um, and we're middle of the pack in steals and blocks. But I think where you really see this bench uh, come to life is their efficiency. They're first by a wide margin yeah. in field goal percentage. That makes sense. Uh, three points higher than any other team. We're shooting 50%. Uh, and three-point field goal percentage is third in the league with 38%. Uh, so it doesn't look like on paper that the bench is super productive but they're very efficient uh in the way Stutz as you were saying the way that Billy Donovan is able to use the bench uh he kind of maximizes their efficiency but I would like to see now that we're healthy um see a lot of these uh role players on the bench and especially when Caruso comes back I think that our uh actual raw numbers versus the efficiency will start to go yeah, up. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, people will take more notice. All those stats, man. I think we want to, as Jacob, I think we want to have to keep Seth on as like a stat guy. Just come in every episode and just be like, hey, yo, here are these stats. We got you. Um, yeah. It might be interesting to do that, but <laughs> save that for another day. But yeah, it's been really like, it's just been, I don't know, it's weird because I think it's also because of the rotations, the way they're mixed up. Um, Billy a lot a lot of the times has one starter out there at all times, and you know how DeRozan and Levine and Vucevic have been doing a lot of scoring, especially during that winning streak. They were just going off as a big three, so I think that has something to do with it. But it shows you how stats can be misleading. And Jacob, if you want to pull up that stat we had earlier, not relating entirely to the bench, um, or I can pull it up that you sent it on in our messages. Uh, this was shown on the Bulls broadcast last night. Right, it was last night. Right, it wasn't the night before. Yeah, no, um, it was last night. The Bulls are second in field goal pursuit um, percentage in the entire NBA. They're third in effective field goal percentage. They're first in three-point field goal percentage. It's worth noting the Bulls take the least threes in the entire league, but they are um, third in three-point percentage. Um, but they're taking first, good shots first. when they take threes. They take good shots. That's why they're leading the league. Um, corner three percent. Corner three-pointers, those get knocked down because DeRozan can knock those down from time to time. Um, you have a lot of threats. Derek Jones Jr. usually only knocks down threes from the corner. So you have more corner threats. Um, mid-range, of course, come on. You got, like, the mid-range killers, Zach Levine, Vucevic. Uh, Vucevic has been struggled early on in the season, um, but Zach and DeRozan and a lot of mid-range killers on this team. And that's only going to go up, too, when Patrick Williams comes back. He's a mid-range sniper. Uh, and free throw percentage, we're fourth. And what's funny, I want to. This doesn't relate to the Bulls as a team, but the Bulls. This was mentioned on a broadcast too. Um, opponents are shooting like over eighty percent from the free throw line against the Bulls, and that would be like the best mark in like, I think like thirty years. There's no way that gets kept, like that gets kept up. Like that's insane how well teams are shooting free throws against the Bulls. Watch, we're gonna play the Bucks, and Giannis is gonna go like twenty for twenty from the free throw line. 
it's gonna happen but it, it's really interesting to see uh like why like how the bulls are just like like how well the, we're shooting it's just yeah. how well we're shooting the ball i mean it's just like thank you for fixing my words there but um i think the offense is really getting a rhythm and i said this yesterday um in our party chat on playstation i said yo when vucevic is on this offense is really hard to stop and we know vucevic has been like inconsistent but man when he's on he is on like there's there's yeah. no stopping him yeah and i'll, I'll testify to that because you, you know even when we were talking yesterday i told you that first quarter first off there's no reason that you start slow as slow as you did against the pistons all right i don't care that they're an nba team you have got to put the foot down immediately you got to know who you are and who they are but when vooch like there's it's a tale of two teams last night the second half and especially that third quarter vucevic played like nikola vukovic can on any given night in the first half he played honestly he played terrible to me he looked like just mm, he didn't know what he was I, doing I told you there. this last night i don't think he was that bad i'm he was I'll check the stats, Jacob. He was I'll check against the, the I'll check the stats, but like I don't think he was as bad as you think he was. Um because the Bulls had a nine point lead at the half. It started to get it going. No, it was not about the half. Yeah, but spe- I'm talking about especially the first quarter. Isaiah Stewart outplayed him. Isaiah Stewart had like five or six. Oh yeah, we got out re- the first like five, couple minutes of the minutes. game, the Bulls were out rebounded like nine to zero. It was terrible. But um Yeah, no, it's the it's the rebounding, the little gimme. I know Vooch is he struggled with his touch, you know, at times this year, especially to start. But in the first quarter, he didn't play well, in my opinion. He didn't play well or to his standard. And that's why the game was as close as it was. Second quarter, he picked it up more, which is when the Bulls picked it up. Third quarter, like Third you said, quarter, he, he was going seven big for time. 10. And then, I mean, 17 straight points to start the quarter for the Bulls. And most of it was... 16. He outscored the Pistons. And then the rest he of the quarter. He outscored the Detroit Pistons, which is kind of insane. I'm telling Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's to me it was a tale of two of like two two different offenses. If you're if Vooch, like you said, if Vooch is going, we're unstoppable like that third quarter looked. When he's super off, because he missed about five straight or six straight to start in that first quarter, we looked sloppy and it looked neck neck and neck, which we know yeah. we're not neck and neck. Hey, I agree with you. Um when he's sloppy, the Bulls offense gets kinda sloppy, unless Zach and Demar, but hey Zach, he only had ten points on three for ten last night. Um I mean, that's cool and all. We that's won hilarious. by, like, 47. Hilarious. But, yo, Zach is going to have to be a lot better tonight against Brooklyn. He's going to have to be on his A game, which I think he will. Zach usually loves showing up for those primetime games. Um, so, even when we played the Warriors, he showed up right away. And then the entire team just kind of slipped off. DeRozan kind of struggled that night. So, we're going to need everybody on. I'm going to need if Vooch struggles tonight. The Bulls might be in some trouble, though. Um, unless Zach and DeMar can find a way to just completely dominate. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see what happens on that end. Uh, Seth, any what are your thoughts on this offense? Um, I know you didn't watch many games early on in the season, but you have to be watching this offense now and being like, "Whoa, this is unlike any Bulls offense we've seen in a, a long time." Yeah, I mean, uh, almost every player on the floor is a playmaker. You know, they can score off the dribble, which is huge. Um, but I think just like the, the most efficient part of their offense, and also just the most fun to watch. Um, is their passing. I mean, they make direct, uh, really accurate passes all game long. Uh, kind of reminds you of how Popovich and the Spurs play. Um, I feel like there's a lot of similarities there and just how great the Bulls are at passing. Uh, they're very selfless. 
Um, and I think we've seen a lot of improvement in that in our guards. Um, Levine is really good at being selfless when he's driving to the paint. Uh, even though he is like one of the best scorers in the paint in the league, he's not afraid to dump it off. Um, Kobe White's been getting better at it as a playmaker. Um, Lonzo Ball is one of the best in the league at that, arguably. Um, and when Vucevic is able to pass out of the post, we're damn near unstoppable. I mean, when Vucevic is making, you know, five, six assists per game out of the post, uh, kicking out to the corner for a three, that's hard to stop as a defense. So I think passing the ball and being selfless is where the Bulls really thrive here. Yeah, and sometimes I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback on that and say sometimes we're almost too unselfish, which is crazy to think about because there's mm-hmm. a lot of possessions where we're, where, you know, I'm watching the game with my dad a lot and he says uh, the Bulls are getting too cute again where they pass the ball like 19 times around the around where it's like somebody was open, take that shot because we can make the extra, then the extra, then the extra pass. And then we get that late shot clock shot that we don't always like where it's like, how did that happen when you had, like when we moved the ball as well as we did, which it's crazy to think that sometimes you can be almost too unselfish, but that's just the theme of the Bulls this year. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Sometimes they are a little bit too unselfish, um, but overall, like, it's been really fun to watch the ball move. But I will say, when the ball isn't moving, that's when the Bulls get in trouble. Like Dallas the other night. And on Sunday against Dallas, the ball in the second half especially wasn't moving well, and the Bulls' offense got stagnant. Yes, Zach and Vooch struggled mightily, but it's also because, like, the ball wasn't moving as well. They weren't kicking it around as much. But, man, when the offense is on, it is so fun to watch. Like, And it's even more fun because, like, in that third quarter was probably one of the be- I know it's the Pistons, but that was probably one of the best quarters I've seen, like, overall all season. We've been waiting. The Bulls have been beating down on bad opponents, of course. They've been doing it all season, but they haven't been doing it like that, okay? Um, we played the Magic, and we struggled to take out the Magic at the end, like, that team that should have been a blowout. It's a team you're supposed to blow out. With the Pistons, we came in there like the third quarter like we were the damn 2016 Warriors. Okay, you know we all know how the 2016 Warriors would all just go off in the third quarter, and then Steph and Clay wouldn't even play in the fourth quarter. Um, they they would just completely go off, and that's how it was last night. And it was especially important because you have Brooklyn today, uh, so it's the second of a back to back, which the Bulls have yet to lose this season. By the way. Uh, knock on wood, but the Bulls are the best back-to-back team in the NBA as of right now. Um, so it's it's I, I I think it is. I it was a stat where like seven and zero. Um, I think it might have been more specific. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it was like no, we're seven, seven and zero right. back-to-backs. You're right. So it was really really mm-hmm. like they've been impressive on back-to-backs, and it's a weird late 9 p.m. start time tonight. I'm interested to see how that's gonna play out. Um, how players get prepared differently for a 9 p.m. start because like when do we when do players ever play at 9 p.m. like it's kind of like a strange start time for a game so it's I'm interested to see how like the layover um Brooklyn's been struggling they lost Monday to Brooklyn Anthony Simons is going or not Brooklyn to Portland <clears throat> Anthony, to Anthony Portland. Simons is getting buckets man he's a young stud over in Portland um but yeah, Brooklyn's been struggling. I think it's time to take advantage. Um, I want to see a fully healthy Brooklyn team against this Bulls team. Obviously, still without Caruso and Patrick Williams, but I still want to see the Bulls tested tonight. I do not want. I want to see Kyrie Irving and James Harden, especially because we're going in person. Like I want to see those guys. Um, like we know this team can beat James Harden and, and Kevin Durant. We've seen it twice, okay, but we haven't seen them with Kyrie. Um, 
and they did lose Monday to Portland with Kyrie. So I, I think the Nets are beatable for the Bulls. I really, really think the Nets are beatable. I think they match up well against them. And overall, I like what the what you said earlier, Seth, with the similarities uh, to the Greg Popovich team. They move the ball like that again tonight. I think you're going to see a W. But speaking of similarities, right? Speaking of similarities, the whole NBA world has been had had their eyes on the Bulls for a while because of their win streak. But now the hottest team in the league is none other than the Memphis Grizzlies. And I know this is a Bulls podcast. We got to shout out John Moran because that boy is getting buckets and he is so fun to watch. And I don't know about you guys, but whenever I keep watching this Memphis Grizzlies team, the more I watch them, the more they remind me of the 2011 Bulls. And here's why. Obviously, you have the John Moran, Derrick Rose comparisons. And while their games are a bit different, they are very similar. They're both explosive, young, exciting, entertaining point guards. They're both extremely fun to watch. They, When they're in the building, you need to go watch them. Like, you need to watch them. Um, they're extremely fun. And I don't know when Memphis comes to Chicago, but we've got to go see that game. It's not next week, is it? They don't play in Chicago next week. I think we play in Memphis. So... Uh, yeah, when sure. the when the Grizzlies come to Chicago, I need to go to that game because I need to see John Moran in person. Um, it's like watching a young D. Rose again. It's not exactly Derrick Rose, of course, but it is like like his explosiveness is off the charts. That one block he got, sheesh, unbelievable. Um, of course, you have that comparison, which is the most obvious one. But there's other comparisons that like may not seem completely obvious to you at first. The defense, of course, the Grizzlies have been like. Uh, in the stretch, ever since they started to really play well, they started the season nine and ten. So since then, I believe they're twenty-eight and fourteen now. That would make them nineteen and eight, or no, nineteen and four since they started nine and ten, which is crazy good. And their defense in that span has been, I believe, tops in the league. I don't think there's been a better defense in that span. Um, I don't have the correct stats for that, like for sure, but I'm pretty sure they've been like tops in the league in defense because they went from. I remember on the broadcast uh, last night, they mentioned that the Grizzlies went from really dead last in the league on defensive rating to first. So that's something else. Because even with Ja out, they were playing defense. When Ja was out with the health and safety protocols and injury, um, the Grizzlies were playing their ass off on defense. Um, And then you have, like, guys like Dozen Bain, their bench mob, okay? They got a bench mob over there in in Memphis. They have a bench mob over in Memphis. Um, Guys are killing it over there. So... You have the bench mob, just like the Bulls did, because that was a huge part of that 2011 Bulls team. You have a bunch of guys playing defense, strong defense for their coach. Um, and I think, uh, what's his, I free, I'm blanking on his name now. Um, what's his name? Uh, for the Grizzlies, the coach. Uh, Taylor, Taylor, Taylor Jenkins, Jenkins, there it is. He's going to be a coach of the year candidate. Um, Taylor Jenkins is definitely going to be a coach of the year candidate. And it's just a fun team to watch. You have the defense, and then you have Desmond Bain killing it with three-pointers. I know he's not Kyle Korver, but he's reminding you a bit of Kyle. Like, he's eight three-point percentage. He's playing strong defense. And the Grizzlies are a really fun team to watch. Um, They play hard. They play gritty, which is just the Memphis way. And with Ja leading the way, it is a fun team. The more I watch them, the more they remind me of the 2011 Bulls. And I'm excited for their matchup more than anything on Monday. I know I'm excited for the Warriors. I'm excited for the Nets. But I think the Memphis Grizzlies might be the toughest matchup if they're still hot come Monday. They just took out the Warriors. By the way, they've taken out the Warriors twice this year. This isn't the first time they've taken out the Warriors. They've taken out the Warriors twice this year. The Grizzlies are a dangerous team. Can't sleep on them. Um, they're kind of like a shocker, just like that twenty, just like the 20, 2011 Bulls. Nobody expected the Bulls to be that good, and the Grizzlies have come in and, and shocked a lot of people. Um, 
I'm excited to see how the Bulls match up with them, but they remind me a lot of that 2011 Bulls team. Uh, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. I'll start with you, Seth. Yeah, uh, this Grizzlies team is very fun to watch, especially within the past month when they've been on this huge stretch. Um, I think there definitely are similarities to the old Bulls. I mean, you could compare like player to player, say Jaws similar to D-Rose, um, Desmond Bain kind of like a Kyle Korver type, um, Jaron Jackson similar to how Noah and Boozer used to play. Um, they definitely, I think the two things that they need to improve the most uh, would be in general their defense. Um they aren't very good at getting steals, um, and they are kind of middle of the pack in everything else, middle yeah, of the pack in defensive that, rating, numbers, though, uh, in the opponent field goal percentage. Those numbers are kind of skewed because they started off their year really bad in defense, but since this 20-4 stretch, they've been, yeah. I believe, tops in the league. Um, I'm not sure of how to check that, but yeah. Yeah, and they need to, if they can continue that, then that's huge. Um, their bench points, uh, I believe, has also been good. Uh, recently, overall, it's uh, around the middle of the pack as well. So I get those first like twenty games kind of skewed what they're doing now, but overall, um, they're kind of middle of the pack because yeah, they were say, like I mean, really just kind of average, and now they're really Tyus good. Jones has been really good for them. He kind of reminds you a little bit of a CJ Watson type type point guard. Uh, I know we're just going to a comparison. Stephen Adams, kind of like a little Taj Gibson. He's a smaller side of the center, but uh, he's a center, but. I mean, Taj is a forward, but he's there. Kyle Anderson's playing power forward for them. He's been really good defensively. Um, if you want to go with a Keith Bogans type player, you can also, I mean, sheesh. I mean, it's up and down the board. Brandon Clark's been playing really well for them. You could actually compare him more as a Taj Gibson type player. Um, Xavier, Zaire Williams, uh, he's been really good for them. The rookie out of Stanford, uh, he's been getting buckets for them. He's been playing well. Uh, Dylan Brooks, that defensive glue guy, um, for them he's been he's huge for them he is actually injured right now and they're still playing well he just got injured i think he's gonna be out like three to four weeks they're gonna miss him a lot um because he's a big defensive glue guy for them on the defensive side of the basketball but he's been really good for them up and down the sport this team has a lot more depth than people originally thought um d'anthony melton has been solid like they 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 have so many guys dylan brooks jared culver zyra williams brandon clark ja stephen adams tyus jones desmond bain jaron jackson they have a bunch of, and this is a young team. Um, I have not watched the video yet, but Kenny uploaded a video today. It was like the Memphis Grizzlies should be the staple for how to do a rebuild right. And it really looks like they have. They've set up this team for a young, good future. Just hope there's no injuries, especially to star players. Because um, that's what we saw with the 2011 Bulls. They were had a good, young, solid squad. I mean, if Derek doesn't get hurt, who knows where that team goes, especially since they were also young. Um so I hope, I hope, I hope we don't see any injuries because Ja is so fun to watch and it's kind of given us that feel of like maybe he could be what Derek wasn't. He's not exactly there yet. He has not won an MVP yet, hasn't made it to the conference finals. Um, but, I mean, he can has the potential to get there and I really think he does. I just really hope he stays healthy. I hope he stays healthy because the way, the way he plays – you're at a bigger risk of an injury, especially with a smaller guard like that. But he is on the lighter side compared to Derek. Um, Jacob, I know you are a huge fan of this Grizzlies team. I know you've always really liked the Grizzlies, the grit and grind. Um, give me your overall thoughts. How do you think they compare to the 2011 Bulls? I think there's – because of the way the game has changed and three-pointers, you know, obviously the whole Steph for Evolution thing, uh, they're this – because to me, the 2010-11 Bulls, 
we're a different era. I mean, that's a, that's as crazy as it sounds, even though it was only 10 years ago. It's kind of a different era of basketball than it is today. Uh, but I think they're definitely this this era's version of the 2011 Bulls. Uh, yeah, the player comparisons, like we've talked about, there is the player comparison, but it's just the the fact that it's the underdog mentality. We weren't the Memphis Grizzlies did not walk into the season with expectation to be a top four team in the West and top five team in the league. It that just didn't happen. Nobody expected Derrick Rose to be the best player in the league. I mean, you we talked about this before, but that interview is so iconic because when he said it, nobody really even paid attention. But he came on before the season started and said, why can't he be the best player in the league? And that's kind of the same mentality that Ja and these Grizzlies have. Why can't they be the best team in the league? I mean, they're right now, record-wise, they aren't. But after that 19 game, first 19 games where they struggled, they have taken the mentality of why can't we be the best? And they've showed it every single night that they want to be the best. Yeah. Even in their losses, they they look like and it's they, worth noting this team has beaten the best teams in the West ahead of them. Yes. They beat the Suns by one point after the Warriors took down the Suns. Um, they took down the Warriors twice. We haven't seen them play the Bulls yet, who are top in the in the Eastern Conference. But it's worth noting this isn't a fluke. They're not just beating bad teams; they're beating good teams. Um, I also believe they beat Utah. Yeah, I think they beat I, Utah. I'm pretty sure. A lot of teams are beating Utah lately. But, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and they could end up, with the way Utah is playing, they could end up passing Utah. Still a lot of season left. We're basically, um, they are basically halfway through their season. Um, they've played, they haven't, I don't think they've had any game postponed. So they're 29 and 14. So they've played more games than the Bulls. So, but yeah, it is incredible what they're doing. They're fun to watch. And they might be my go-to second team right now in League Pass. I might have to start watching every single game of the Grizzlies just because they're so fun to watch. Um, I don't know what their upcoming schedule is so or how their upcoming schedule is looking before the Bulls. I can take a look at it. They play the Timberwolves, the Mavericks, um, who gave the Bulls some trouble. And then they play the Bulls on Monday. So they have two days off before they play the Bulls. Um, it's going to be fun. And it's 2.30 start time on MLK Day. And the Grizzlies are a fun team. If you were a fan of that 2011 Bulls team, even if you're a Bulls fan, I recommend giving them a watch whenever they're on national TV. Um, if you don't have League Pass, that is. Um because that team deserves, just like the Bulls, more national TV games. And I'm sure they will be. I think, I'm sure the Bulls and Grizzlies both have caught the league um, notice. And I think they're both going to get a lot more national TV games next year. Um, so on... Yeah, on our, I, let me... Real quick, yeah. real quick, real quick. Uh, as bad as they started the season defensively and everything, they are now currently first in steals. They have, they're averaging oh. 10.2 wow. Golden yeah, State. So that's, that's huge. Yeah, Golden State yeah. is 9.5. Because they were nearly... Last yeah. in steals. steals. I mean, yeah. we've seen it with the Overall. Bulls. Steals yeah, go a that's, long way. That's huge. Creating turnovers. Even I've only I've watched the yes, first half. Do. I still have to watch the second half of last night's game. But like, the Warriors struggle have been struggling with turnovers all year, and that's kind of how the Grizzlies got out to that big lead last night. Is they create turnovers. Um, we've seen it with the Bulls. Alex Caruso being in the lanes, pickpocketing. Even Zach Levine. Zach Levine last night, he was mad at himself and shaking his head because there was a long pass thrown towards his uh, his guy's direction. I forget who he was guarding exactly. But he was upset at himself, but he's like, man, I should have grabbed that. Like Billy Donovan has these guys wanting to hit those passing lanes and get those cookies, as Stacey King is always saying. So it's been fun, and it's creating turnovers really goes a long way in this league. And you see it with the Grizzlies, and you've seen it with the Bulls. 
And so speaking back to the Bulls, we have our upcoming schedule. We have a big game tonight. We're going to be in the house. It'll be Seth's first game of the year. Jacob and I have already been to a few games. Um, I'm excited. So, for, I mean, we're, all, we're up in the nosebleeds. But, man, I'm excited for tonight. Um, a 9 p.m. start is such a weird start time. But I'm really excited to see how this Bulls team tackles this Nets team. And I really hope that Kyrie and James Harden play. And I think they will. I think they know, okay, we're playing the number one seed Bulls. We got we to gotta go out and, w- and play this game. Um, a 9 p.m. start time should actually help their case. More time to rest before they would normally play at 7 o'clock. So I think Harden and Kyrie will play. And I think the Bulls will be tested tonight. Um, but I think they win. I think they win tonight. Um, what are the keys going into tonight's game, you guys? I'll start with you, Jacob. Um, like we said, that pick and roll defense because, you know, obviously it's not the playoffs, but... You know, you saw Kevin Durant torch the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks because of drop coverage. Uh, that's what Brooke Lopez did, and Lopez is actually bigger than Vooch. Uh, yeah, he's probably slower, but, you know, that's what he did, drop coverage. So if we run drop coverage all night, Kevin Durant could easily, easily get, you know, 35, 35 points. And, you know, there's not many people you can say who can get 35 points with the drop of a hat, but it's Kevin Durant, so... I think the key tonight is, number one, finding a way to keep Kevin Durant under 25, 28 points a game. Uh, And another thing is, if Harden plays tonight, I'm almost not worried because Lonzo has done such a great job, I think, on Harden already. And with the way Io's been playing, I think Io and Lonzo should be able to take Harden out. So I think the keys to the game mostly is dominating inside and uh, offensively just get your shot because Brooklyn's defense has been atrocious. It really yeah, has. Brooklyn's defense so has get been your shot really, offensively. really bad. Um, so I think the Bulls going to have a huge night offensively tonight, like a big, big night offensively. And I think that's the main... Especially after last yeah, night's performance. Um, I think the main problem with Brooklyn has been their defense. We, we talk so much about how Harden has been struggling and how you know they're going to have to get in the group of Kyrie in there. Um, Kyrie's not exactly a negative defender, but he's not really a world beater out there defensively. He's, not, he's, bringing, he's being brought in for his offense. Um, uh, Kyrie's not no. I don't think he's a slouch defensively because of his athletic ability, but I don't think he's a huge plus on defense. So I think the Bulls can really go at them. Um, I don't see how how Brooklyn. I don't see how Brooklyn. If Vucevic has it going, I don't see any way possible Brooklyn can stop the Bulls' offense. Um, so it could be a shootout depending on how the Bulls' defense shows up. It could be a shootout tonight. But um, uh, Seth. What are you looking? What are you thinking? What are your main, like, I know this is your first Bulls game of the year, like in person. Um, so I don't want to exactly ask you, like, what are exactly do you think the Bulls keys are? But what are you mainly going to be looking for? Uh, well, I'm gonna be looking for just because we're playing against such world class talent in the Nets. Um, if Harden and Kyrie play, I mean, those are you know three of the most skilled players in the world. Uh, and when you play against three of the most skilled players in the world, you can't make mistakes. And I think, honestly, our glue guy here is Vucevic. I've, I think I've said that all year. When Vucevic goes, we go. And so what I want to see out of Vuce is for him to get, you know, up in the 14-15 rebound category. I don't see why not. Uh, when he does do that, we usually have a really great chance of winning the game. Uh, because if there's one thing that's going to happen this game, there's going to be a lot of shots. There's going to be a lot of shots and not as much defense as we might usually see just to keep up with how good Kevin Durant is as a scorer. Uh, 
And so when they put shots up and when they miss, we're going to need to get those rebounds. We can't allow them to get second chances. Um, and then we're going to have to, after Vooch gets the rebound, we're going to have to push the ball. Uh, one of the best things about this Bulls team is our fast break offense um, and our youth and our speed. And so when we get that rebound, we better be pushing the ball. I don't, I don't see why we wouldn't, um, especially early in the game. So I think that's what I'll be looking for, getting defensive rebounds and then pushing the ball and attack them inside. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, I think pace is a big thing, especially the Nets can sometimes run a fast pace. But like I said, some of these guys like Patty Mills have been struggling to, lately. Um, I think Patty Mills is trying to find his role now with Kyrie out. So the Nets are kind of like in a like, growing stage at this point, and it's the middle of the season. Um, it's kind of a weird stage for them. I think this is a good time to take advantage of them and sweep them. Sweeping them would make a big statement. I mean, if you can sweep this Brooklyn team, that is impressive. So I'm looking forward to tonight. Um, and then now on to Friday, uh, Golden State, which might be even a bigger game because I think even if the Bulls were to lose tonight, they'd still be at least a game and a half ahead of Brooklyn. So it should, no matter what, be the first seed. Unless the Suns win, um, it very well could be the first seed in the West versus the first seed in the East on Friday at the United Center. The Bulls lost last time bad on national TV. They kind of embarrassed themselves. And this was early on in the season. They embarrassed themselves against Golden State. Um, it was kind of a hype matchup for us Bulls fans. We are like, okay, time to show the world that these Bulls are for real. And they kind of like, they kind of had a flunker. Kind of had a flunker that night. But I have a feeling the Bulls are going to be much, much more into it this time. I think being at home, they're going to have Vucevic this time. Didn't have Vucevic last time. Um... And a very big key is, will the Warriors have Draymond Green? I'm not exactly sure how long he is out. But if they don't have Draymond Green, I think that should be a win for the Bulls, no matter what. I know Clay just came back, and you never know. He could go off for a big game. But um, I think he's still trying to find his groove, and he's still going to be on a minutes restriction. So that kind of saves you a little bit from having a Clay nightmare like you did a few years ago in the Gar Pax era where he had the, broke the record for three-pointers in the game and went off at the United Center. Um, so, I just looked up Draymond Green, and it looks like he's doubtful versus the Bucks and the Bulls. So that's going to hurt the Warriors bad. Um, not only Because also, the Warriors have a back-to-back. They play Thursday versus Milwaukee. You know how tough that is. And then they come to Chicago. So, yes, it's a short little trip, an hour away, hour and a half about. But, however, it's the Bucks and the Bulls, two of the best teams in the East. That's not an easy trip for the Warriors. Um, I think it would be very, very successful for the Bulls if they could take down the Nets and the Warriors, and I think it would be very, very impressive, despite no Draymond Green. Warriors on Friday. Uh, I'll start with you, Seth. Your thoughts, your excitement level for that game. Um, how do you think it compares to the game against Brooklyn? I think it'll be a very exciting game. First off, just like so excited to see Clay back. Yeah, um, it's been I think we can all long. agree on that. Uh, he's, it's been so long, and so it'll just be so so fun to see him play. Um, even if Draymond Green uh, isn't able to play, it'll be a really really good game. Uh, and in that one, I need to see Caruso back because he would be so key. Him and Lonzo being able to guard Clay and Curry would be really, really great. Um, if Caruso isn't back, then we're going to have to do damage control. I know Steph hasn't been the most efficient lately, but he can get hot whenever, 
and now that Clay's back, he can take the load off of Curry a little bit there. Um, so our guards are going to have to really ball out on defense. Um, and then again, uh, since the Warriors also run small ball, we need to see Vucevic rack up the rebounds. I really think that's the key against a lot of these small ball teams. With Vuce is able to be of presence inside, getting those rebounds and just contesting shots, uh, then we have a great chance to win. So it'll be a really fun game to watch. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty similar to the Nets, um, but I, I see the Bulls playing well as well. Okay, awkward silence. How about you, Jacob? <laughs> That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think the key to that, because Brooklyn can kill you uh, offensively in a lot of different ways, but m- the biggest issue is, of course, is Kevin Durant. There's really one guy you want to hone in on. And for, for the Warriors, uh, not to say Brooklyn isn't a deep team, but Warriors, uh, they've always been a, d- a deep team. And, you know, on any given night, they could have a guy like Jordan Poole and, or... I, I mean, Damian Lee, out of nowhere, could have five or six threes. And that you don't want to see something where you did with Philadelphia earlier in the year where guys that aren't the superstar player come up and beat you because you weren't, you know, you're not paying attention. So I think the, the attention to detail needs to be a little bit uh, much more on point, especially defensively. Okay, like sorry Sosa, to interrupt uh, you, but I guess Draymond Green is out. He's out. Um, Steve Kerr said, I guess there's a chance. Um but it's doubtful. So he's likely out for the entire road trip. Um, so that's huge. That changes kind of a lot. Um, go ahead. Keep saying what you were saying, Jacob. Sorry to interrupt. But I just wanted to let you know um, because that could be a big part of your discussion. Well, I mean, yeah, that just adds to it. The, the attention to detail because without Draymond, they, they are missing, you know, their def- their defensive coordinator, I, I like to call it. But, you know, regardless of that, they still are built with Steve Kerr's, you know, defensive defensive antics like he knows what he wants them to do uh it'll hurt not having Draymond out there but for the Bulls that should just mean attack them with not only ball movement but attack them inside because you know Kevon Looney's I know he's 6'9 and like 240 or whatever but Vucevic should be able to have his way with with Looney and even if he's struggling the pressure that Vuce can put on the defense inside uh that that's I think that'll be a big key so with no Draymond Especially because there were no Draymond, I think the Bulls should get a win. Uh, I don't care, sloppy or ugly or pretty. I don't care how it looks. I just think the Bulls should be able to pull this out and get a win. Okay, so we're predicting two and zero. Both of you guys, you think both go two and zero? I think we go two and zero. Okay. And then Saturday we have the Celtics. Um, I know we're not going to touch on them too much, but uh, it's the Celtics. Celtics have been struggling. Celtics kind of a mess. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are figuring things out. Um, I think that should be a win for the Bulls, even though it's a back to back. And then most importantly, you have Monday against the Grizzlies. Um, so I guess any last words, Seth? I want to thank you, of course, before that, at our last words for coming on to the podcast today. I'm excited. We're all excited to go to the game tonight, even though we'll be sitting in separate seats. Um, who knows? Maybe. You never know. It's probably going to be a sellout. Maybe if a couple seats open up, one of us pair could move. Uh, me, and, me and my girlfriend could move over with you guys, or you guys can move over us. Um, either way, it's going to be fun. Um and I can't wait to see the Bulls in action tonight on a very late start of 9 p.m. Don't know how my sleep schedule will like that at the end of the night. But you know what? It should be fun. And also, a little funny note before we leave. Um, I guess these are kind of my last words. When I looked up Draymond Green, um, sportsbooks lost millions of dollars because he left early in that clay game. Do people not do research? Like, uh, yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, what are we doing? Like, there was I saw in House of Highlights. I'm pretty sure it was just for clout. But, like... 
literally somebody bet that Draymond Green would get a certain amount of points or rebounds, and they clearly didn't do the research that he would not actually be playing in the game. He just came in because um, he wanted to be a part of it with Clay, and then he came out of the game right away. I guess people just guys friendly tip. If, if you're gonna be- well, what's what's interesting about that is the reason they lost a lot of money. Why the sports books lost a lot of money is because they announced that right before the game, and so people put like tens of thousands of dollars on the under because they knew that Draymond wouldn't be playing. That's why they lost money. Ah, the people didn't really okay. lose money. It was yeah. the sports book that, that lost money sense. because people bet on the under and obviously got it. So people were betting like five k to get thirty five k, and now there's a debate on whether they should get the money or not. I'm in the opinion that they should because yeah, if you're I mean it's just how it happened. Um, and like, he I did technically play. Where, like, should... Okay, so I, yeah. I was confused. Okay, that makes more sense because I, I was confused. No, this yeah, I the sports book, not the people. Yeah, the people who <laughs> it must have been the idiots um, who did the video that clown themselves, probably for clout on House of Highlights Instagram. Um, they, I think I saw. I don't know if you liked it um, or if I sent it to you guys on Twitter, but. They they bet on Draymond getting like over ten rebounds. I forget what it was. I forget what the stat was. But they bet on him, and then they lost a bunch of money because he really wasn't playing. Um, so, eh, word of advice, I guess, for both for both those couple of morons and the sports books guys, like maybe don't open that bet um, or don't have Draymond Green in bets, knowing he's not going to really play, even though he is. Um, I think that'd be the smart way of go because then the people don't lose their money for being stupid and then the sports books don't lose their money. So that's kind of a funny situation. Um, yeah, I, I think they should get their money. I think that's on the sports books. Hey, for give, sure. give them their yeah. ride earned money. They, they, they use their big brain to figure out, hey, Draymond is not playing. This is a smart bet. Either way, they're still betting their money and they won the bet. The bet's a bet. It doesn't matter if a player... Hey, if a, that's like saying if a player gets injured in the first couple minutes and somebody bet the under, they shouldn't get their money. Like, I feel like that's called, like, For real. if a, a bet's a bet, um, I'm, I'll be interested to see where this debate goes and where this news goes. Um, any last words from uh, either of you guys before we head out? Uh, just as always, you know, excited to watch the Bulls uh, tonight and uh and Friday and Saturday, of course, just always. But, uh, yeah, no real last words. It was cool having Seth on. Hopefully, you know, we can get him on another episode before he goes or, you know, in the future. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'd love to be on more episodes. Uh, this was a good time. Very excited to see you all tonight uh, and watch the Bulls win uh, and continue watching this Bulls season because yeah, it's it really special. special it is a very here. special season. And that's why we made this podcast in honor of Stacey King's amazing, iconic line, Shy Slam Jamma. Hope we see some Shy Slam Jamma tonight in the United Center, the house that Jordan built. As always, I want to thank you guys. Rate us if you're listening on audio platforms. Share it with your friends. We are going to be coming hopefully soon to a YouTube um, channel. Uh, we would like to do YouTube videos and give you guys um, a YouTube platform form to watch our videos on and do it in video form because i know some people like watching in video form so you can see our beautiful faces um as for that that shall be soon and of course we hope you all have an amazing day go bulls and we will see you guys all next time